The Overview of the Holy Roman Empire, Part 2. Well, we're going to pick up where I left off in the last section. We're going to talk about, was it Roman? Was it an empire? And, of course, when did it fall? So let's start with, was it Roman? The Emperor of Rome, as he's usually properly called throughout the Middle Ages, rarely resided in Rome. Usually they resided in Germany, where many of the emperors were born. Voltaire once said that the Holy Roman Empire was neither holy nor Roman. Historians have argued ever since that the Holy Roman Empire was an unholy Germanic Empire, but such an argument ignores history. While the Kaiser and Hitler thought that the authority of the once great empire rested in Germanic blood, a fact of history proves otherwise. It may be admitted that the Holy Roman Empire was far from holy, but it certainly was Roman. First, any survey of the empire will show that, other than Charlemagne himself, those emperors who ruled from Rome or subjected Rome to themselves were great emperors, but those who ruled from faraway lands or never set foot in Rome were quickly forgotten and of little consequence. As the emperors moved their capitals out of and away from Rome, their power and authority shrank proportionately. In coincidence, this is so with the papacy as well as when they resided in Rome, they gained more authority than the emperors, but the authority diminished when they moved to Avignon. Thus, while some historians consider the Holy Roman Empire a German empire, it is most decidedly still a Roman one. Indeed, virtually all the great emperors took up a residence in Rome. When the emperors took up residence elsewhere, they quickly found Italy in rebellion and the empire in disobedience. Otto the Great, for example, tried on numerous occasions to rule from Germany, but each time he left Italy, the Italians were plotting and conspiring against him. He was forced to finally take up residence in Rome, where his empire and his legacy became complete. When the emperors were absent from Rome, it was the Pope who exercised great authority over the empire, enforcing his will as supreme even over the emperors. So also, when the papacy left Rome for Avignon and France, the power of the papacy diminished and the faith in the Vatican's authority dissipated, giving rise to the Reformation movement, which was growing long before Luther. So great was the authority of Rome and its church that one historian said, quote, the Holy Roman Church and the Holy Roman Empire are actually one and the same. One rightfully asks, why is it? What made Rome the seat of power rather than individuals? The answer is, of course, never known completely. But there's no doubt that the Italians themselves were a proud and even arrogant people. The Roman Empire was the greatest empire in history. If the Holy Roman Empire was truly the legitimate successor of Rome, then Rome would have to continue to be its seat of power, and the Italians were determined to keep it that way. Indeed, the very existence of Charlemagne, great though he was, is owed to Rome and its leader, the Pope. Constantinople and Rome had been in contest with each other over power. When the Western emperors disappeared in Rome, it was the popes who took their place. As Constantinople continued to ignore the plight of Rome, the pope was forced to look elsewhere for military strength and military aid. The Romans would have to find a Western emperor. And, of course, Charlemagne was that man. He owes his legacy to Rome, not Germany. The annals of the history of Charlemagne, as Constantine the sixth successor, not Romulus Augustulus, the last old emperor, Roman emperor. Charlemagne was wise enough to see this. He did not seek to overthrow Rome, but to restore it. He did not conquer Rome. He liberated it. 
for he was a Roman deliverer, not a conqueror. That he was of German blood no longer mattered. While the Italians had once abhorred the Germans, they now abhorred the Greek emperors. If the emperors were now predominantly German, does this make the empire German? Such an argument can't not be valid, for it ignores both the power of the papacy in Rome, the heritage of the ancient emperors, and the heritage of the Holy Roman emperors. Ancient Roman emperors were not all Italian. Philip the Arab was born in Africa, and Constantine the Great, the son of a native Englishwoman. Despite this, no one considers Constantine to have been an English emperor. Yet he never set foot in Italy until many years later. The Roman Empire had grown beyond the borders of Italy. To be a Roman meant to be part of the Roman Empire, not just a native of Italy. Charlemagne of German blood was more Roman than the Greek emperors of Constantinople, and the Romans knew this. Truly, the empire's seat of authority was still Rome. Moreover, it is a myth that all the emperors of the Holy Roman Empire were German. Even if the French claim that the early emperors were French is ignored, there remains the emperors from England, Spain, Italy, Sicily, Bohemia, Burgundy, and even Holland. It may be concluded that the Holy Roman Empire stands unique amongst the empires of history. Neither pure domain of the emperors, nor of the popes, but always the pure domain of Rome. Now we have to ask, was it an empire? Of course, cynical historians have opted not to call the Holy Roman Empire a true empire at all. They've scoffed at the notion that it is a continuation of the ancient Rome and suggest that its German emperors were merely kings with a greater title. Nevertheless, this is too simplistic an approach and ignores both the facts and the very thoughts of the European people. True, the Holy Roman Emperors did not wield vast authority of Europe as Charlemagne, but neither were they merely kings. Even Richard the Lionheart, the greatest king of Europe, accepted the authority of the emperor and paid tribute. Can we deny the imperial authority of the, of the emperor if Richard the Lionheart did not? More importantly, can we restrict the empire to its imperial boundaries? This is the real challenge in defining the Holy Roman Empire. Ancient empires were usually the property of one man. Ancient Roman emperors were both Pontifex Maximus, chief priest, and Caesar. In the Holy Roman Empire, the two were allegedly separate but equal entities. By the late Middle Ages, the papacy wielded vast political control in countries that the emperor had no authority over. Can we restrict the empire to older definitions that no longer apply? Some scholars will belittle the empire, and of course, some will, of course, revere it. So it's called Rome's successor. Some call it a mockery of Rome. Some call it the age of progression. Others, the age of ignorance. Such controversy is perhaps to be expected, for the Holy Roman Empire is unlike any empire that has preceded it or will follow it. In order to understand the empire, a parallel must be made to other empires. Such a parallel is, however, just about impossible. The Holy Roman Empire differed from every other empire in history. For one thing, the power did not rest in the imperial authority alone. As forementioned, it was divided between the papacy and the emperor, as well as local kings. These three entities maintained an uneasy balance throughout history with one or the other gaining marginal superiority at certain stages. This uneasy alliance was maintained to ensure Europe's unity and survival against aggressors. 
Had the institutions not existed, it's very likely that the Saracens would have overrun Europe. Thus, the Holy Roman Empire, as it emerged late in history, was a conglomeration of nations under the protection and the authority of both the emperor and the pope. At times, that authority was nominal, while at other times it was real and pronounced. As always, however, the Europeans considered themselves to be of one Christian empire headed by the pope and unified by the kings of Europe under the nominal, if not real, authority of the emperor of Rome. So now we reach the point, before we get into the actual meat of the process, when did it fall? Now many assume the Holy Roman Empire fell with the Reformation. You'll even find scholars that debated as to exactly how long the Holy Empire was said to have existed. Nevertheless, most historians date the fall of the Holy Roman Empire with German Emperor Francis II's, quote, retirement of the title as emperor in 1806 after Napoleon invaded Germany. Ironically, Napoleon had himself crowned emperor by papal approval, which by charter had crowned the Holy Roman emperors for centuries, only ceasing after the Reformation. Indeed, how could Francis retire a title that he had no right to bestow? The fact is that Francis retired the title because he realized he had already been stripped of the title by the Pope, who had given the crown to a rival, Napoleon, just a few years earlier. Napoleon wanted the title for himself, and Francis was forced to oblige. But he had no desire to see the crown pass to the hated French. He opted to reject the validity of the title by declaring that the emperor dissolved its allegiance. For the Germans of the 19th century, the imperial title could be stowed only by those of Germanic blood, but now a Frenchman was claiming the title again. Regardless of whether Francis II or Napoleon should be deemed the last emperor, Napoleon's failure at Waterloo was the fatal blow to the empire. Germany no longer yielded to the Pope's authority, and France had crumbled as an empire. Democracies and republics were cropping up everywhere, leaving the authority of the Pope challenged by even the uneducated masses. Soon even Italy would declare its independence from the papacy, and the Pope would be left in control of only Vatican City. For the first time since Charlemagne, Europe had no one vying for the title of emperor. Once the great empire had consisted of imperial authority, papal authority, and local authority, the demise of the imperial authority led to the segregation and the independence of the local authorities, but the papal authority, though greatly diminished, has not yet completely died. The empire was comatose after Napoleon, but some say it still lives, beating its heart, waiting for some sort of revival. So that is the last of the overviews. Now, next time we'll actually start looking at something. Our topic next week will be Rome before Charlemagne. Now, the sources for this, this is the complete list of what I'm going to be using. There is a lot of primary sources that you can use if you're good at Latin and German. Religion and the Holy Roman Empire by Ferguson. Before France and Germany by Gary. The Oxford History of Medieval Europe by Holmes. The Papal Encyclopedia by Bunsen. Now, you could use the Catholic Encyclopedia, but be forewarned, they're not going to have much of the juicy gossip of a bad pope. The Capetian Kings of France, 987-1328 by Butler and Adams. French History, Volume 1 by Guizot. Barbarian Invasions by Delbruck. Early Germans by Todd. And The Rise and Fall of the Holy Roman Empire by Criswell. 
So I hope you enjoyed that. And as always, don't forget to come by the website, summahistorica.com or historyaccordingtobob.com, and ask a question, leave a comment, check out our merchandise, and if you like what we're doing, please feel free to support us. Thank you very much.